When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited you decided to join us today. Uh... Before we jump in, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. You aren't going to find anything else like it. They are our sponsors because I own three of them, and I truly believe in this machine. I truly believe in the people that work there and the product. Uh, Mention Coach Unplugged, and they'll give you $400 off. Just say, Coach Collins sent me. Coach Unplugged sent me, and they'll take really, 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 really good care of you. Trust me. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial. Um, you're going to want to check it out before prices increase. You know, it's just that things happen. <laughs> Coach Collins has only got so many hours in a day. Go over and check it out. It's got the roadmap. It's got everything that you need to become a better basketball coach in one stop. You know, if you're looking for clinic videos, if you're looking how to break a one-three-one, if you're looking how to run a zone offense, if you're looking how – to, to pick an offense if you're looking for anything it's got it there for you as i hit my microphone oh well um it you know and it also helps us pay the bills helps us keep all these podcasts um the high school hoops and five minute basketball coaching podcasts and funnel down and all these things free to you um teachhoops.com is what pays the bills and keeps the lights on so um we'd love if you went over and checked that out and let's head off to the podcast um all right so coach coach lines tell me a little bit about you your history um and then we'll we'll dive in and we'll talk basketball we'll talk your the book you're working on we'll talk all of that kind of fun stuff yeah so i was a, a a coach while i was lawyer i started coaching i uh, i and nine other people started the newton girls basketball league and the newton mass uh and we started that because it's 15 years after title nine there were no girls basketball leagues. There were boys, of course, but not girls. So we started it. This is like, well, I, I don't know the exact, but she was in third grade, my daughter, and now she's 42 with two children. So a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. So, but 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 were there other, were because you're in a suburb, we talked about before we came on the air, you're in a suburb of um, of Boston. Were there other girls leagues at all in the Boston area? Well, of course, they're AAU, but we're talking about community leagues. I mean, I don't think on third grade they have an AAU, but but I'm talking about when you when you when you started the Newton one. Were there other uh, were there other um, towns towns or any any? Uh, did you have any? Or honestly, did you guys just I start? Don't know. Honestly, I don't know, but I do know that the as soon as we came out, we we had 400 girls come out and 80 coaches the very first year. So there was a hunger for it. Right. And um, I became head of coaches that started me reading about sports psychology, tried to impart that in uh, our approach. But I hadn't coached a lot, you know, either. And uh, so out of that grew a uh, something to back up my playing two to three times a week, actually, until I was 65. I, I just 
I've always loved the competition in basketball and frankly, banging bodies. I have, I'm 6'3", 230, and I just love getting into that post position. You should have played rugby. Never. <laughs> That's all Never. rugby is. I only play funnel games, you know? Okay. You yeah. funnel into yes. uh, yes. soccer or something like that. Right. Anyway, um, so I... Um, my both my children played they were both point guards and captains of their team at this very large high school uh and um my son went on to play in rochester while that was all happening <laughs> my i did the travel teams i did the community leagues then i did um uh, while my daughter was playing in high school i <laughs> she made me sign a contract <laughs> That um, that because she knew as a lawyer that I only got one comment a week. <laughs> so let's talk about that first before I got a bunch of questions. Let's talk about that first. So, uh, yeah. so why? How did that contract come about? Because I made a deal with my son that once we got in the car to come home, we're done yeah. as dad. And at that point, unless he brought it up, I wasn't bringing it up. If he brought it up, we could talk about it until the cows come home. Well, I'm I'm thinking that he, that my daughter liked uh, some of the advice I gave her, and so she gave me one comment a week between games, and she said to me, "Why don't you get a life?" So we have a crosstown high school, and I became an assistant coach on the girls' team <laughs> at Newton South High School instead of Newton North. Okay, and for six years I did that uh, as an assistant. And it was a um, tremendous experience, actually. Then I tried two years of boys in high school. Um, and then um, during this whole time, my son was, you know, I did this when he came off a practice court because he once said to me, um, how are you, uh, he said, after taking 300 shots, he's seven years old. He says, I don't know why people don't like the practice. It's so much fun. Right. Oh, there you go. That's half well, the battle. That, and that's a key point for high school coaches. Like, if it's not fun, it's the wrong thing to do. Right, they're uh, not going to do it. And, and I heard you, you know, def, uh, uh, I heard you, I saw something you wrote about, you asked people what's fun, right? And I, my one word answer to that is enjoyment. If I'm enjoying myself, that's a good thing. And that's why I practice more and get more motivated. But uh, so I did that, uh, eight years of that. And I coached AAU, uh, a team called Mass Hysteria, which I love that name. Okay. That's an interesting name. <laughs> yeah. But it was an incredible team. And we played in the finals for five state, five straight years uh, in Massachusetts and then um, and won three of them and went to all these national tournaments with this team. And the, the team players had a thing in the beginning as to measure their commitment to the effort that they wanted to bring is like, who's going to be first on the floor for a ball? That's the mentality. And it was always a lot of anticipatory skills being taught, especially in passing lanes, because people get very lazy on passing.
bouncing around as the Celtics yes. did during the playoffs. <laughs> yes, great series though. Great series. It was a great series. It was. It was for uh, yeah. We know that they could have done a lot better. Anyway, point only. It, it was a great season. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Um. So that and so I went from high school and AAU for uh, I did the five years my kid played and then three more years with the coach the coach's son great coach david aldrich fantastic um he would have the huddle before every game was he'd come in and most people talk about defense or something he says nothing is more important than your family break on family and on mother's day he would love that they get he waits till everybody was ready send our team out but with roses for their mothers and they would run up into the stands the players the rest they're all waiting and love that and who's gonna say don't give that don't do that don't go go give your mom a hug don't do that (laughs) yes yeah so then i coached uh three years uh at lasalle college as an assistant okay Um, i was the grandfather on the team by that time and uh it was terrific. The first time LaSalle went, uh, maybe the last, we went two years out of the three to the NCAAs, won our division. Um, I had them carry around gold books, little spiral memo pads, three goals at every practice. What are you going to work on? And then I would correct the goals so they weren't result. Like better defense is not a good goal. Like no. How? Do I create? So, so explain that. Explain that because I understand that. But explain that to the listeners what you mean by that because that's where people mess up a lot. Yeah. So the idea is it's a goal setting is a process um, more than a result. Like you see state associations constantly blare out results like sportsmanship. Well, how do you, how do you actually do that? So goal setting has got to be realistic and challenging. It should be small steps because you should be encouraging yourself by reaching a goal and that you can cross it off that memo pad. Uh, Seeing things in writing makes a huge difference, which we'll go into. But um, so they put it down. Uh, I always look to see whether it was an end result, like better defense. I just use that because people, you know, always are saying, you got to play better. Well, exactly how. And we, I had one guy who his, for the entire season, it was get low. He had a habit of standing up. <laughs> the guy goes right. right by him. Right. Um, but uh, so once came. Well, so that's a good goal. Get low. Cause you can physically get low. That's a, that's right. That's a okay. how to, how do I right. play defense? Don't stand up. Get low. Right. Um, Cambridge Ringe in Latin coach came to one of our practices because I had done some work in, in their high school. Um, and he said, can I look at the gold books? I said, why not? Let him see these little spiral pads. And, and as they were doing it, the team was running around. The captain came over to me. So we don't want them looking at our gold books. Those are our weaknesses. Those are private. So they owned it. They own those books. They own their weaknesses. Love that. Yeah, it was really, it was really 
quite enjoyable being there with them. I have to tell you, they were. So explain why you should write goals. Explain why you should write goals down. Let's let's circle back to that for a second. Why do you need to physically write them down? Well, the people learn differently. I don't know. uh, Memories are bad. Uh, And also the nuance in writing, like what particularly do I need to work on? Like the drop step when I'm in the post, use, you know, find a way to use the drop step, assuming that they already know what that is. The goal could be even execute a drop step Um, or, or uh, even further down in more finite is wrap your leg around your opposing uh, team so that you can in practice just do that five times. So you have a goal that's reachable and people feel good about themselves when they've reached that goal. So each achievement builds confidence. And that's the main reason it you build confidence when you can achieve. Also, you're actually marching towards your mission. Right. 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 So, um, yeah, goal setting is. uh, It's the process of learning, too. It's like some people learn visually. Some people learn auditory. I mean, that's what I, I think sometimes coaches forget that there's all these learning styles in this group of young men or young women. It's like they don't all learn the same way. Like walking through it might work for half your team, but then the other half might need a visual or the other half might need to write it down or the other half, you know, it's all those connections. I think that sometimes get lost in the, it's not just young men and women. It's from elementary school. Everybody's learning differently uh, from the get go. Uh, I also think the physicality of the memo pad says I have goals. Just, I, I'm, I'm holding up a little black book. I probably got 40 of these around the house at some point. Cause yeah. it's like, I'll just write stuff down. Like it's like, I need to do. And you know, yeah. I think yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. Think. And the importance of, um, of, of if they, uh, the importance of actually bringing it, the discipline of bringing it to practice that you've thought about your goals. And if in the cell team, uh, if they didn't bring their goals, they would do laps. And while they're doing laps, I'm saying, this isn't punishment. This is a reminder to bring your goal books. Right. And they all started laughing. <laughs> so clearly was punishment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I put it in a different way and they were laughing. So that's always good when they're laughing. So uh, I'm going to circle back before we get too far down the the rabbit hole here. Going back to the youth, starting the youth thing. Was there something that you thought as far as a manual, as far as teaching, something that you thought was super important with that for for people? Well, I've always things? written stuff down and then passed it out because I know from my own experience, I listened to someone, but, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm doing something else and I, I can't even go back because I don't remember what did he exactly say? He gave a list of stuff. I remember one of them. Anyway, uh, yeah, I always have done that, but I didn't do a manual. The written, the idea of of a, a sports psychology, social emotional learning curriculum came to me when I started the Social Emotional Learning Alliance of Massachusetts, which is an a- educational advocacy group uh, to teach really how to be a teammate. <laughs> it it's exactly fits 
every skill you need, relationship building, um, uh, positive climates, uh, task orientation. This is all in SEL. Problem solving, uh, inclusivity, um, emotion management, focus, the power of full engagement, which I love that phrase instead of effort. It's the right. power of full engagement. Right. Really get involved. And, uh, and compassion and empathy. Uh, these are all skills we see on a basketball court and in any sport. Um, and it's a great place to actually practice those skills explicitly. That is giving people instruction of how to, and you can put it, it, that. It's, it's filling the toolbox with the hammer and the, and the screwdriver and the nail. You, you, you got to fill a toolbox if you're going to use it. The empty toolbox isn't doing good. True. Like I thought you, you were going to say hammer and sickle for a minute. <laughs> No, but I'm just saying you got to fill the toolbox. That's what I'm always talking to my students too. It's like, I, like I teach AP statistics. So I'm said, I, all I'm doing is filling your toolbox. Like, so when you go to the test, then you just got to grab the proper tool from the toolbox. There's no, there's no project you can't do if you have the proper tools. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like my dad used to say, there's no such thing as bad weather, only poorly dressed people. So which you is know. the same as a poor workman blames his tools. <laughs> yes, it's the exact same thing. Uh, so uh, I want to. So what does the alliance do? Like, what is what's the mission statement? What 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 like? Well, what does it do? The social. Um, uh, first of all, I'm retired as the president, but I'll always be the founder. This was in 2011. Social emotional learning uh, was new to me then. Uh, and it came in a bill about a girl in high school who committed suicide because of the bullying that had been done to her. Just people, I mean, the devastation it causes. And in it, some forward-thinking um, legislator with the advice, I think, of the Boston uh, Park and uh, Public Health Department put in a thing that the Department of Education here, it's called DESE, it doesn't matter. The Department of Education, Massachusetts should prom promulgate guidelines uh, for the implementation of social emotional learning. And what it does is infuse, it's not as, in the little kids, there's a separate time for it. But as soon as you get into middle school, it should be infused in the way you teach and the way you approach people and what you like and my the main foundational goal, if I get one thing through in this interview, um, is that the foundational goal must be creating safe and supportive, positive, encouraging environments because people learn so much better. Then this is science. So when I see a guy yelling on the sideline, I got to ask myself, why are you doing the opposite? of what is required. You're right. making them short arm the ball because they're so frightened they're gonna make a, you know, they're, you've made them frightened. Right. And so nobody learns well. I had a coach once who that I was assisting, oh, didn't last long, but uh, he was banging the lockers in the locker room in the middle. And so he turns to me, he said, how do you think that went? I said, I don't think they heard a word after you started yeah, banging, no. banging no. lockers. And the thing is, here's here's something from an old guy is like, like You're I'll yell. I'm old <laughs> anyway. I I will yell at them. I will yell at them maybe once a year, 
And, and it's more like what I tell coaches, it's more like when your kid runs into the street, sometimes you have to make it's uh, a reaction. It's a reaction. And it's really? also, I have to scare you a little bit because I don't want you to get hit by a car. I don't want you to do something. It's that reactionary flight height, you know, fight kind of thing. I'm, I'm betting that's the rationale that rationalizes why you yell. But it is not but the real reason. The real reason is there was danger. You recognized it and it scared the hell out of you. Hell out of you. Yes. And it's like, you know, but <laughs> we what all it have does, emotions. We all have emotions. And what it does from a coaching standpoint, I can tell if when I do it, like when I do do it that one or two times in the year, I get I get a reaction. I get a I. It's almost like the paddles, the AED. It's almost like I only use it when I need. There, it's January and it's the third game of the week, and they're ha this final. It's like sometimes I'll just do it to get wake them up. That's all I'm doing because I've I've spent the last eleven months building trust, building. They know I love them. They know I care about them. They know, oh, shoot, coach is mad. I miss curfew. You know, it's like your kid comes home late for curfew and you yell at him. So I oh. think it, it, this is just my point, yeah. opinion, and I'm certainly not criticizing or anything, but I think if you want to get attention, bring symbols. <laughs> You'll get your attention. That's true. In other words, <laughs> I know you you're don't saying. need to, to yell. I mean, you're right. You, you can yell, but immediately say, I just lost my temper. Like right, I, I, what happened. And I'll always circle back. Like it's always a wake up call, and then it's a okay, blah blah blah. Like I, I, I was talking. I did a podcast earlier today, and I talked about losing a game. I, I think I lost a game for my team this year because I didn't call a timeout and blah blah blah. First thing I did when I got to the locker room is I told them I made a mistake. Yeah, we, we were up three. We, I should have called a timeout before the second free throw. I didn't do that. My fault. I'm sorry. I take that because it showed hum. It showed me as a human, and I make mistakes. I'm not human. Yeah, that's a, you know? being vulnerable is a great asset as a coach. It is. Uh, you know that they know you're a human being. You have feelings, and uh, uh, just like they do. And but it's also, uh, and I'm sure you do this, is respect. Right. You have to give kids respect to get respect back. You right. have to listen to them uh, as they talk. So my main point was about, and I think it's so foundational, many, many states in their education have a commission in each of their education departments here in Massachusetts is the safe and supportive schools with the immediate phrase on their website, people cannot learn if they're afraid no. undernourished, don't have a place to sleep. So it's a, you can't learn that way. So our job is to create an environment, at least in our practice. Oh, trust me. can do something. Trust me as a 35 year old, 35 year educator. It's like schools have become the catch all to do everything. Like well, they have, but with good reason, with good reason, the science proves so it, but, <laughs> but, but then we got to fund it. So I'm gonna go on a soapbox for a second. Then we gotta fund it. If the I mean, we gotta fund it. At least in I couldn't Wisconsin, agree more. They're not funding it. Like I we we feed agree. them, we do all this stuff. We need to do it because they can't learn if they're hungry. If like you said, if they're doing that, they can't play a game. If they're like worried about where yeah. they're gonna be at night, I agree. You um, asked me a question, but we got up on basketball. The Social Emotional Learning Alliance for Massachusetts is being mirrored in 21 states now under okay. sel4us.org. 
And um, it's an advocacy group, meaning files legislation, supports legislation, talks to legislators about things that they could do, like funding, um, right. and, uh, uh, and holds workshops, statewide workshops, events, um, uh, that make people congregate. Actually, Zoom is big, the biggest bonus ever <laughs> because the most, I ran a, in 2015, a state house event to allow legislators to actually, uh, 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 sorry, to get uh, legislators to know what social, they didn't even know in 2015 what it was. I mean, there were a few, but not generally. So I held a conference right in the state house. We had 240 people on Zoom. We had 680 people. Right. No, it's, uh, that it's, was post pandemic, <laughs> obviously. Right. People have figured out people weren't using Zoom beforehand. I was, but people, yeah. most people weren't. Uh, all right. So then let's talk about the book you're writing. Dropping the ball in high school athletics, which is okay. what I feel is happening. The uh, subtitle is uh, a call to parents and educators to reform what is taught on sports teams. I, I could have gone further and said what, how, and who right. <laughs> is taught, right? Or who is teaching. Um, yeah, so uh, I think you have a slide there showing what I think are the... Is that what you asked me about? Or, you know? Yeah, the, the book. Just to explain what it is. I uh, can do that. So this home. is what the book is about, if you can get the slide up, if somebody can do that. But it's about what is what are the problems on and understanding the problems of youth in public school, high school athletics. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down, review, do whatever you got to do. Um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great Sports Social Podcast Network.